When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. There's a real temptation to forget about the freedoms that were suspended in 2020. I think that, I hope that's why you guys are here. There's a real temptation to forget about the freedoms that were taken from us, not just in Idaho, but throughout the US. And if, and if we become people who forget about the past, then we will not win the future. We need to anchor in our minds what happened, okay? We don't need to be bitter about it, we don't need to be cantankerous about it, but we cannot forget the past. If you forget the past, you do not get the future. Our government likes us in our short memories, okay? Our government likes us in our short memories, and by the next time, because the next time they run this play, it's gonna be a, a, a greater play. They're, they're gonna take more freedoms away from us. The next time that play happens, it's, the consequences are gonna be even more long-term and more serious than they were um, in 2020 and 2021. The government does not give up authority easily, which is why our forefathers, okay, uh, had a vision for a government that was limited government. If the government doesn't give up their powers easily, well, then you really want to do your best to limit that government. Now, a bloated government wants, to have, um, wants you to have short memories, but as I said, don't forget the past. The past is an important tutor. It teaches us. The past is an important tutor for how we learn to fight the, for a better future. A freer state a faithful conservative vision for a small and accountable government. One of the reasons why I'm here is because I really do believe Idaho can be a beacon of light and a force for liberty in the United States over the next 40 years. I really believe that to be the case. You think of conservative states like Texas, they have 50 million people, that's a hard train to turn. Idaho has about two million people. We can disciple that, that state. It's a discipleable state. But none of this happens if we don't learn our history lessons. We really do live in a great time of great opportunity for Idaho, but the opportunity will succeed on being faithful to God and a desire to fight for a freedom-loving Idaho. The other option is the, the failure to do this, the failure to fight and to do this will turn Idaho into a state like Colorado. Think of Colorado. We had a representative from Colorado on our cross-politics show um, no, two weeks ago, last week, and he... Uh, warned us about Colorado, and it kind, of, it kind of haunted me, his warning. Between 1952 and 2004, Colorado only voted for two Democrat presidential candidates during that time frame, 50-year time frame, two Democrat presidential candidates. And that trend, and, and now Colorado has only voted Democrat since 2008, and that trend only w looks uh, to get worse with greater disparity. 
Colorado is now passing the most liberal legislation in the nation, including the right to abort a child up to nine months, and legislation that forbids any postnatal regulation. Meaning if that's a botched abortion, there's no regulation telling doctors how to handle that botched abortion, which leads to infanticide, right? There's, there's no regulation in a botched abortion in Colorado now. It's egregious, okay? Republican, so Colorado was a Republican stronghold. How did Colorado go from a Republican stronghold to one of the most liberal states in the last, you know, since 2008? How did that happen? Idaho, we need to take warning of what happened. We should not take our conservative values for granted in Idaho, and we need to constantly be fighting for our freedoms here in Idaho. Freedom takes work. Faithfulness is not an easy road, and to keep a government truly limited is, is hard work. I'll say this a couple times in this talk. You have to fight for freedom, and all you have to do to go liberal is stop fighting. That's it. You have to fight for freedom, and all you have to do to go liberal is stop. I hope to lay out my case for the future of Idaho here tonight and how we can avoid the Coloradofication of Idaho. You have to fight for freedom and all you have to do to go liberal, as I said, is to stop fighting. Think about it. As my pastor said, all the liberal freedoms that you can do, all the liberal freedoms that liberals want um, you to be able to experience can be experienced in a six by six jail cell. You can smoke marijuana, you can do drugs, you can watch pornography. All these freedoms that liberals want, you can do in a six-by-six six jail cell. And, and once they got that hook in you, okay, once they got that, that hook of what, those freedom, of what you think those freedoms are for, for your own pleasure and so forth, once they got that hook, once they entice you with that promise of a good time, they will militar, militarize the FBI to protect the Clinton-Biden regime, which is what the Durham port just came out and showed us. Okay, FBI interfered in the 2016 election. And both Obama, Clinton, and Biden all knew what the FBI was doing. That's what the Durham report showed us. They will use course of arm, the course of arm of the government to raise your taxes, raise inflation, shut down supply chains, force you to wear a mask, get the jab, and more. And then the liberals will turn around and gaslight you. We never shut down public schools, which is what they're arguing now. We never mandated masks. We never mandated the vax mandate. Um, but because we're, we're, we're uh, prone to forget the past, we are an easy people to gaslight. It's like not even gaslighting us. We just forget the past and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you weren't shutting down schools. Not only that, but how many Republican states, here's where the conversation gets a little hard for us. How many Republican states did some of the same thing in 2020? How many Republican states shut down schools? In 2020, how many Republican states required masking, forced vaccination? How many Republican states buckled and took away our constitutional rights in the name of a health emergency? I think we need to take this to heart. Idaho did some of this. We need to have an honest dialogue in the in, in conservative movement about what we did right and wrong. We need to be able to honestly criticize, debate, communicate, talk with one another about the mistakes we made in Idaho. I'm, I'm not sure our leadership is, is in that position to do that. Is, is there, I don't think their heart is where it needs to be to have this honest conversation. Our leadership in Idaho 
and, and part of this is we don't, I, I don't think in Idaho, we don't understand how much we are under attack with liberal ideology coming in here in Idaho. I don't think our leadership understands how serious this moment is here in Idaho. Our leadership is like sheepdogs that don't bark. Wolves, uh, uh, sh uh, shepherds that don't see the wolves coming. Okay, that's, uh, they're, they're more comfortable. I think our leadership, generally speaking, is more comfortable uh, and they don't want to risk their political careers or their businesses than actually getting in the right fights. I think that's an honest assessment. How many of you, I think you got to ask yourself this question too. If we're asking this question about our leadership in Idaho, we got to ask this question about ourselves too. How many of you are comfortable in the wrong way? How many of you are comfortable in letting, uh, letting the leadership just go unaccountable in this process? In September 2020, in Moscow, Idaho, I was protesting our city's COVID emergency ordinance that said if you were outside, you had to either wear a mask or stand six feet apart from one another. You had to wear a mask outside or stand six feet apart from one another. We had that ordinance. It's like crazy to say now, but I don't think, I'm in Moscow, Idaho, blue dot, red state, very cult-like liberalism there. Everyone just kind of falls in line in Moscow, Idaho. And they released this ordinance where if you were, couldn't wear a mask, then you had to stand six feet apart walking down the sidewalk. And they had police walking up and down the sidewalk with clipboards, making sure people were standing six feet apart in Moscow, Idaho. Um, the way my church protests, unconstitutional masking, mandates and ordinances is we'd like to go sing psalms and hymns in downtown for about 20 minutes. And this is at the same time when, uh, uh, that same summer, remember 2020 with BLM. And BLM would come through Moscow, Idaho, and they'd protest for a couple hours, and, and some of them wouldn't wear masks, and some of them would, and, and they would protest. And then we were like, all right, we'll go protest and not wear a mask either and, and uh, sing psalms for 20 minutes. We wouldn't bring any Molotov cocktails with us. Um, uh, and to be fair, BLM in Moscow didn't do that either. But we were a threat. And then on September 23rd, um, so September 21st, our, our city council would meet every month. July, they'd meet, let's, let's extend the masking ordinance 30 days. August, they'd meet, let's extend it, extend it 30 days. September 21st, they met and they voted on Monday night to extend it, the masking ordinance, through uh, January 5th, I believe. So then they voted to extend it four or five months. Why are we meeting every month to extend this? We're just going to extend it. So they extended it five months or four months. And so my, my pastors, including Pastor Toby, they met on, on Tuesday and said, well, let's go sing psalms. Instead of in downtown Moscow, Idaho, let's go to the city hall parking lot to sing psalms and hymns. And, uh, and so on Wednesday, we decided to go to city hall parking lot. Well, um, through the, um, my fight with the legal fight with the city, come to find out that the chief of police, the mayor, the uh, uh, city supervisor and the city attorney all met on Tuesday, the day before, and planned out how are they going to, I don't know, stop our protest or deal with our protest on Tuesday before. When we showed up on Wednesday, just to sing psalms, um, on Wednesday at about 5 o'clock, um, they had spray-painted polka dot circles in the parking lot um, six feet apart. So... It sounds funny, because it is. And they would spray uh, circles six feet apart 
so they can kind of objectively see they aren't wearing masks and they aren't standing six feet apart. And, uh, and then they also took city resources to clear the parking lot out. So no public parking. They blocked off the parking lot. No one could be in there. No cars could be in there. And so they can kind of, I, I don't know, arrest us peacefully. I don't know. And then they had a bunch of police staff, at least five present, six present, standing against City Hall, and then a number of patrol driving around the block and around the area. So, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, maybe nine police dedicated to a psalm thing in 2020. And uh, when we started singing, the police first approached my mom because it's easier to talk to a woman than a man, I guess. And uh, my mom was standing next to me, and you know, um, COVID is invincible with families. It's when you're standing next to friends is the problem. And uh, so they, talk, they approached my mom. My mom said, well, this is my son. And they're like, okay, you're legal. I don't know why, but I was. And so I, um, I remember putting my hand around my friend Tyler, and I said, but this is my friend Tyler. And so the, the officer, Kersalt, who's a captain in the police force, retired captain, all the cops that were involved in this have all retired or left the police force except for the chief of police. Um, and uh, so they started, uh, Officer Crisalt said, well, give me your license. You're not standing six feet apart, and you're not wearing a mask. And I just, I just kindly reminded him, I was like, you swore an oath to defend my constitutional rights against enemies foreign domestic. You swore an oath to defend my constitutional rights not to exercise this unconstitutional health edict on me. And... You know, we went back and forth, but, I mean, it's pretty irrelevant at this point. He didn't, he didn't listen to me, probably like he didn't listen to his oath that he, that he swore. And I remember the most eerie thing about it, you go look at the video and everything, the most eerie thing about that whole moment was him taking my hymn book away from me to handcuff me. Like, just, I had a pastor, it was either in India or Russia, but he had pastored in Russia at one point. He emailed me um, sometime that next week or so and said, I could not believe that this actually happened in America, I saw Moscow and I thought Russia. Never in my wildest dreams did I think this would happen in America. And so, uh, I, you know, and as American, as an Idahoan, as a, as a Christian, thinking back on that moment, it's, it's, it, a little, it still is kind of unnerving. Still kind of is like, what happened? What world were we living in in America where cops, where the mayor, where the city supervisor, where the city attorney thought that that was an acceptable approach to dealing with a peaceful um, first, uh, you know, first Amendment crowd. To be worshiping in public is, um, is sacred. Uh, your church community and, and not having your cops on your side to protect you against enemies foreign domestic, foreign domestic should be alarming to us all. And, and by God's grace, that, that moment went, went viral. Uh, Laura Ingram picked it up. Glenn Beck picked it up. Steve Dace, Fox, Fox Daily Wire, Many more outlets um, covered that atrocity, and even President Trump ended up retweeting it, um, which when I, pulled, when, I, when I was in my legal proceedings with the city, um, pulling the emails and just seeing what the, how that just lit the city council on fire when President Trump retweeted it. Was, it, was a, it was a classic. Uh, so there's a lot more to that story, but the point is, is that a lot of this erosion's happening in Idaho. A lot of our freedoms are under attack in Idaho, by Republicans. Like, like Idaho is a Republican state. It's not a Democratic state. Now, we have our liberalism problems, but these are, these are Republican problems that we have. And Governor Little, the, the thing is, 
is that Governor Little created the conditions, his shutdown, his emergency shutdown that happened starting in March. He created the conditions to where my city council felt like what they were doing was acceptable. You know, the, the leader of our state created those conditions. So I, I want to challenge us. We don't need to freak out, but I want to challenge us that Idaho is not as healthy as we'd like to think. And you, you see the erosion already starting to happen in Boise. I, I, you know, um, trans parades up in Coeur d'Alene. Um, Boise's already got a liberal mayor. Um, you see these erosions happening. And, and I want to say, I, wanna, I believe these erosions are happening. The foundational reason why I believe these erosions are happening because in the midst of great blessing, and Idaho's been very blessed, we are a very free state. We got all sorts of abundant natural resources. We have a pretty good state culture. In the midst of these blessings, I believe our foundational reason of why we're going liberal or, or under the threat of going liberal is because we're losing our faith in God. And when you lose your faith in God, what comes with that is the sin of apathy and cowardice. Apathy and cowardice. We, have, we live in uh, Latah County in Moscow, Idaho, blue dot, red state. And if just 65% of conservatives would vote in Moscow, we wouldn't have a liberal mayor or city council. That's it. Just 65% would get out. You know? And, and, and just, I think, I think right now the statistics in Idaho is about 20% of the church votes in Idaho. 20%. We get what we deserve. Apathy and cowardiceness. And that's connected back to our faith in God. Do we believe God's promises? Do we believe God's working in Idaho? Do we believe the gospel works? Do we believe in discipling all the nations, including the state of Idaho? Do we believe the gospel wins in Idaho? If you don't, then that's apathy and cowardice. We're, uh, we regularly um, say on our show that, that a little courage begets a little courage. And, and you see this. Um, uh, you know, my arrest encouraged a lot of Christians nationwide. Um, the lady who was arrested at the park down in Boise. Um, uh, there's a number of examples. The, the gym owner in New Jersey. Just a little bit of courage encouraged others. A little bit of courage makes other people step out and show courage. Um, but here's, here's the, I don't have this equation solved in my mind. How come conservatives build up states, thriving economies, thriving cities, and then we hand them over to the liberals? Think of Dallas, Texas. I grew up in Texas. Think of Dallas, Texas. Think of Denver, Colorado. Think of Boise, Idaho. Think of all these booming, once thriving, booming cities were built on the backs of conservative Christians, and then we lose them to the liberals. Now think of one city where the liberals built it, built a thriving economy, and the conservatives took over it. You can't. What, what's going on with our conservatism? Our conservatism is a very impotent conservatism. And I hope I, hope I got some solutions uh, for you. Because I, I think part of this is the conservative temptation, the conservative sin that I mentioned of apathy and cowardice needs to be cut off at the root. We build these thriving economies, and then we get apathetic, we get comfortable. We like, to, we like our boats, we like our TVs, we like our hunting. You know, hunting happens in November. I can't go no, vote in November because I got to go elk hunting or whatever. And then, and so we don't show up at the polls because we think everything's okay. Everyone else is voting for me. I, I, we got it. And that's that's not the kind of engagement 
um, I think God calls a church in their community. Are you really loving your community? Are you really loving your brother by letting a Marxist ideology come into your city? No. So we have to keep our, and, I, and, I, and then we need to cast a vision that, that truly means, what it truly means to be conservative, and we need to cast that vision not only to our kids in this battle, uh, excuse me, but we also need to cast that vision to our kids in this battle. And if we don't get our kids, if we lose our kids, we lose the next generation, we lose the state of Idaho. Same thing goes with your church. If you can't keep your kids in your own pews in your church, then your church is going to be like Starbucks and depend on new clients constantly. You have to keep your kids in all this. You have to encourage your kids in all this. So this gets me to, to five big takeaways that I want you to walk away with. And, and I think as part of this is we need to get rid of political, conservative talking points that are meaningless platitudes and empty promises. That's where we're at, the Republican Party. Uh, we, we, need to, we need to see through those meaningless platitudes. So I know they're speaking to me. I know they're saying my language. They're using all the buzzwords but they don't really mean it. They don't really mean to fight with it. We need to cast a vision, I think, that is based on truth, and then that truth spurs on substantive action. So here's five, five things. Make sure I'm uh, respecting of y'all's times. First, we need to be about principles and not power. The tug of war is, is, is right now, it's a, it's a struggle over power. I'm like, don't play that game. Don't play that game. We need to be about principles. We need to have principles that are anchored in truth and not be fighting at this, at this power struggle level. Um, we need to be wise in how we play and how we inter- interact in, in politics. We need to be wise for sure, but we need, we need to reject the current political paradigm out there where it's a constant battle for power. Power, power, do whatever it takes for power. Okay? And that's why Trump, I think, ultimately did Operation Warp Speed. He was constantly losing... Um, going through battle after battle in his administration is like, screw it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the vax out there as fast as I can. Gonna reject all FDA process. We're gonna get the vax out there. And now that vax is used for great harm uh, on the society. And that was, that was Trump's program. And I think it was a power play. Um, I, I'm friends with the doctor, not even gonna say what state, who right now is helping a lot of Silicon Valley executives including Google executives and their children who are vaccine, who are harmed by the vaccine right now. And they won't speak up. They're ticked about the, vac- the harm that they got from the vaccine because they were basically force vaccinated. Um, and he's working with them. He's a Christian guy, working with them, helping them. And, but they won't speak up. But they're going out of state to get help. Going out of California to get help. So while the world walks around clueless, to what fixed principles are, unable to have rational dialogue, we can't have rational dialogue anymore, and a basic understanding that our nation was founded as a Christian nation. It's our duty to stand on principle and not be tossed by woke ideologies and subjective sexual ethics that are destroying our society. While there's a number of ways to take this bullet point, I want to just real quick draw your attention to this. Okay, open up your little bulletin or flyer, whatever you want to call it. Um, Here's, I want to start, a lot of people want to have the conversation around, okay, Everything's broken. How do, we, how do we kind of untangle this brokenness? I don't mind that conversation. There's an innocent as dove, wise as serpent conversation to have there. But what I want to do is I want to say, let's talk about what the end goal is first, and then maybe we can talk about how to get out of this problem that we're in with our economy, with government overreach, and all, all this stuff. So this little diagram, I think, illustrates our end goal of where we want to go. Okay? 
God gave three governments in Scripture. Three authoritative governments in Scripture. He gave, he gave the family government. That's a, that's a government. That's a legitimate family government. Mom and dad are raising kids. They have real authority there. He gave the church government. That's a legitimate government. They're supposed to disciple the nations. They're supposed to um, uh, oversee the, the sacraments. They're supposed to baptize the nations. They're supposed to, um, you know, uh, as, it, as it happens, uh, enact church discipline. Those are all, that's real government authority that God's given the church. And then, of course, God's given the government. But you see in scriptures that each of these governments have a limited authority. Dad's authority is not absolute. The pastor's authority, the elder's authority is not absolute. The president's authority is not absolute. The governor's authority is not absolute. And you'll see at times in history, you look at times in history in the past, where each of these authorities kind of claimed some sort of absolute authority. Feudal societies, the Roman church, absolute authority, and now our government in the United States claiming absolute authority. They get to define what marriage is. They get to define what sexual ethics is. They get to define who gets to cut their junk off in the name of, um, you know, finding myself. Uh, that's the government. They're claiming absolute authority in all this. And we want to reject that. Like, anybody who claims absolute authority, absolute power corrupts, right? Anybody who claims absolute authority, we want nothing to do with that. And so this is the only way to get back to what is true. We have to get back to what is true, and we have to get back to what is principled. And this is what God gives us in scriptures. God gives us a government. God gives us a civil government that reports directly to God. God gives us the family government, reports directly to God. God gives the church government and so forth. There's a lot more to be said here about this um, diagram. And you see kind of the, the, the circles overlap. And it's just all that's demonstrating is where authority um, would overlap too. So for example, if a uh, husband and wife get a divorce, well, that's a family problem, for sure, and that's a church problem, for sure, and then the government is involved in kind of breaking up who gets the house, who gets the car, who gets full-time with the kids, who doesn't, and so you'll see at times all those authorities will overlap at times, and that's all that's trying to demonstrate, but the bottom line is Jesus is Lord over all, and he defines what the authority is for the government, the family government, and the church government, and I think this is one of the targets we need to be aiming for for where we, where we want to go, because this is true accountability. Truth, true principle is true accountability. Right now, we have endless definition. The government can do whatever they decide to vote in. If the government gets 51% of the vote, or right now we have this weird republic democracy where you know, 51 decide what the other 49 do. Um, we also call that um, two, two, two wolves and a sheep deciding what to have for dinner. Okay, that's the kind of government we're in. And we need to get back to principled form of government. And that's what that example is there for. I got about five minutes left. Um, we have forgotten that freedom always requires fighting. As I mentioned before, freedom always requires fighting. And conservatives have fallen asleep at the wheel. We've been apathetic and we've forgotten that we need to be fighting. And as I said, once you stop fighting, um, your state, your city, your church, your people will go liberal. That's all it takes. Just lay down and not do anything. Lay down, go on vacation, don't engage. Thirdly, conservatism is not enough. Okay, we, we, this is part of the internal conversations that we need to be having in the, in the Republican Party here in Idaho. Conservatism, our idea of conservatism is kind of birthed out of the, the 40s and 50s about what we're against. That's what conservatism has become. We're against this, we're against that, we're against this. You know, what are we for? We have no vision because we cannot tell the people what we're for. Okay, we sit here and say, oh, we're against Biden's policies here. We're against this here, we're against that there. Well, the reality is, when the conservatives are in office, well, they're running those same plays. I mean, the Trump administration raised the debt ceiling. Right now, the Republicans are saying, hey, don't raise the debt ceiling. 
And they're in a fight with Biden right now, which I'm grateful for. But, in, but when the Republicans were in charge in 2018, they raised the debt ceiling. So we need to get back. So conservatism is not enough. We got to get back to the truth of what true conservatism is. And we got to cast that vision of what conservatism is for, not just what we're against. We need to have what we're for against, but what are we for? What are we for? There's no vision there if all we cast and talk about is what we're against. Um, you know, truth transcends power. It breaks down the power structures. If, 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 if truth transcends power, it breaks down the tra- power structures, and that's what Jesus did. And uh, as opposed to uh, what you get is, you know, tr- truth transcends power plays. It transcends the FBI raids. It transcends presidents who think a man can be a woman. Um, you know, why, why can a man not be a woman? Basic rule of thumb is because God said. That's why. God said. Right now, right now literally the Democratic Party is in the folktale of the emperor has no clothes on. That's where they're at. They're living out this folktale. Emperor has no clothes on. And they think a man can be a woman and say, oh, look around. Look at that man with no woman parts, being a woman. That's where, that's the emperor has no clothes. God created male and female. And when we order a society to include Mr. Potato Head ethics and biological plug and play top and bottom surgeries, well, then the truth is no longer guiding Idaho or our nation. We can't be fooled by this. The truth is no longer guiding Idaho if we're letting this stuff happen in Idaho. The truth, we know that the truth will set us free. The truth sets Idaho free. The truth will set our nation free. The truth will set your family free. free. And rejecting God's word and its truth is like rejecting gravity. You might be able to enjoy the free fall for a little while, but sooner or later, you're going to stop free falling. And it hurts. Fourthly, we have conserved the wrong things. So conservatives, I think we've conserved the wrong things. We've tried to conserve negotiations, meeting in the middle, some sort of neutral ground. We've tried to conserve, you know, institutions that we shouldn't have, we shouldn't try to conserve. We've tried to conserve uh, a, a, a number of things that have distracted conservatives from the fight. And my, my buddy Nate has a great um, metaphor talking about how we need to be looking at like things that God gives us, like you know, colleges and church buildings and institutions. We should be looking at them more like pirate ships than memorials. Pirate ships in a good way. There's a good pirate out there somewhere. And, and that pirate ship is to use to be fighting, use it to fight, and then once it sinks, you move on, okay? Right now, a lot of conservatives have, sent, had sent, have been sending their kids to public secular universities and their fraternities because they thought, man, I had such a great experience in the 70s. My frat was Christian. You know, we all were edifying one another and so forth. And, and, but they do it trying to conserve a tradition that is bankrupt. We need to stop thinking in terms of uh, memorializing things that we built and think in terms of fighting um, from a pirate ship. And everything. I think there's a lot to untangle there. I'm not going to go uh, much more into that, but there's, there's, um, and part of this is we got to disconnect our sentimental relationship between things that we build ourselves, and and we got to use them in a way that that is honoring God and that is that is fighting in the right ways. And sometimes ships sink. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lastly, we have to be joyful, jolly warriors. This is a really problem in the conservative party. We have to be joyful, jolly warriors. 
Joy is contagious. Being thankful is contagious. Okay? Stop complaining about the weather in January. Okay? All right? Because you're going to, that, that, that complaining spirit grows. Complaining spirits don't just stay where they're at. They don't just stay with the weather. Practice, work on. When the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always, and then it says, again I say rejoice, is it, I don't think there's any wiggle room there. It says rejoice, and then it says again, let me make sure you're rejoicing. So even when things are tough, even when the battle's frustrating, even when there's challenges before you, be joyful, be thankful. Because I think this is part, partly connected, because conservatives are curmudgeons, we're curmudgeons. We, remember, we love to criticize we love to point out what we're against, okay? We love to point out all the bad stuff that are going on around us, and we can very easily fall into that curmudgeon attitude and spirit. And I think that's connected to why we lose the kids. We lose our kids because we aren't joyful. We lose our kids because why, why would our kids want to grow up and be like dad who's, who's ticked at, at, you know, throwing, throwing a beer can at Fox TV when John Hannity makes a good point or whatever. It, that, no, no kid wants to... No kid thinks that. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I want to be like that. But part of this, also, to bring up Fox, Fox hired Bruce Jenner to be a correspondent. Like, we're, we're absolutely fooled if we think our conservatism is winning. We're absolutely fooled if we think, you know, the Fox News kind of generic Republican platitude conservatism is the way to go. It's all folding. It's all capitulating. It's just going 80 miles an hour and off, off, off cliff, and the Democrats are doing 100. They're all going the same direction. Okay? Fox News just likes to be a little more respectable and hire Bruce Jenner. So we need to get to the heart of our problems here in Idaho, and that includes working on having a robust disagreement and debate within the Republican Party and get back to truth over power. You cannot have a rational conversation with liberals anymore, as I mentioned, that it, it, it really is hard to have a rational conversation with someone who thinks a man can be a woman. You know, someone who thinks the emperor's got clothes on and says, well, look at your nice clothes, and he's stark naked, right? Staple conservative principles, staple, not even principles, staple conservative platitudes are, are what we're coasting off of. We're coasting off of 40s and 50s conservatism. We need to get back to uh, the heart of this problem. And I hope, I'm hopeful for the future of Idaho. I, I really do want to fight for my children to grow up here. I really want to fight for my children to be able to afford a house. In our county, um, the last four or five years, um, uh, the county commissioners raise taxes every year. And a, you know, COVID hit. Um, supply chains choked, you know, uh, we just keep raising taxes. Like, how are my kids going to be able to build a house? So I, I, I really think we need to work hard to prepare a better way for not only for our current situation, but long, think more long-term for our families and for our children and for our children's children. You know, just look at the state of Washington. I'm actually glad that Washington's next to us right now. I want to see a culture of life rise up in Idaho over the next 40 years and contrast that with the culture of death over the next 40 years. Contrast that with the culture of men and women cutting up their bodies. So sad. It's sad. It's horrible. But let's have that contrast. Let's see, let's see what that life actually wins. 
that truth actually wins, that the way you structure your society um, for the good of your people actually wins over time. And so the next 40 years, I'm, 40, I'm 43, so 80 years, if God gives me that. The next 40 years, I really hope a lot of you start to band together. A lot of you start to get engaged. A lot of you start to kind of wake up to our conservatism and be joyful through this whole process and fight for the next 40 years for your children and your children's children and change Idaho. Because I really believe, you know, 1.8 million people, 2 million people, I really believe that we have an opportunity in Idaho to make Idaho a beacon of light for our country. I really believe that. Now, all, that, all that's by the grace of God. All that, all that is dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit in your own individual lives. You, you can't impact Idaho if your families aren't intact. You can't export what you don't have inside your house. In fact, you only export what you do have inside your house. How you're living in, with, your, with your husband and wife. How you're living with your children. All that matters to what happens into the, out in, how that spills out into the public square. And so the first challenge is, is get your life right. Get your family right. Get your children right. Establish a joyful household. And let that begin kind of the, the platform that you launch off to hopefully, over time, impacting your city, impacting your state, impacting your nation as kind of God gives you those tools and God gives you the opportunities. So with that said, uh, Dr. J. Bhattacharya is going to come up. And one of the things I want you guys, you can go ahead and start coming up, Dr. J. One of the things I want you guys to, to, to remember tonight is don't forget the past. And, and particularly, Dr. J is gonna il illustrate kind of medically what we should not be forgetting and how we should be moving forward. Thank you, Dr. J. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger.